0: What's going on, everybody? This is Johnny Kunin, Brooklyn Paper Radio producer, and you are hearing my voice because I accidentally deleted the opening monologue of this week's Brooklyn Paper Radio episode. And so we miss Gersh opening with some jokes, Vince responding with some jokes. Gersh talks about how attractive Vince is, and from my point of view, he actually makes a pretty good point. But where you're going to pick up is that Vince is talking about where he thinks author Gerald Poderre might have left out some some facts about why the Brooklyn Dodgers left Brooklyn in his new book City of Dreams, Dodger Stadium, and the Birth of Modern Los Angeles. So check it out. It's coming up now. And next week, tune into my first show of the Johnny and Barry show starring me and a guy named Barry. Hope you like it. Bye bye.
1: Over time I've changed my opinion on this. And the reason I've changed my opinion is Walter O'Malley, as Mr. Poder states in his book, was above all else a businessman. No question about it. All right, and we all know that businessmen are interested in doing things in ways to benefit their business. Correct I or think, wrong? I think Podair had a quote about that. A quote you disagreed with. Well, the quote. Yeah, I say I knew I'd get him. Get him thumbing <laughs> through the book, and we're going
2: to get Podair on <laughs> the phone. I'll read yeah, Wait, the can, quote.
1: Uh, the quote was, "But O'Malley was a businessman, not." A dilettante sportsman. A dilettante. Dilettante. Yeah, Speed, please. Read. But I didn't say I was I had I had very good grammar or very good. <laughs> He's uh, got a good historic judgment, but not good grammar. But not not grammar, not good uh, I The word say in reverse. I <laughs> <laughs> keep going. Although he had loved the game from his childhood days, ironically, as a Giants fan, he understood that it was governed by the classic rules of capitalism: overhead, investment, payroll, profit, and loss. The argument that I would make that that he fails to mention here, uh, the part of capitalism that is extremely important is competition. Ah, competition. And what I realized sometime later on in my life was by moving the Dodgers to L.A., Walter O'Malley did away with competition. He was in New York City battling it out with the Yankees and the Giants. And even if the Giants had left, he would still be battling it out with the Yankees. But by moving to L.A., he was moving to a metropolis— That was growing, Mm -hmm. unlike New York City, which was shrinking at the time. Uh, Tiny bit, but yes. Yeah, and he was going to be able to basically play his game in a city of four or five million people where he was the only game in town, and he was going to make bank. Okay, so that's a nice intro, and we're going to get Gerald on right now. But
2: I noticed you put up a story on BrooklynPaper.com a few hours ago that said that I, Gersh Kuntzman, am going to have to be the judge and jury and executioner, frankly, of this argument. So let's get Jerry Poder on the phone. Raise his mic, and we got Jerry— Jerry, welcome aboard. Again, you're author of City of Dreams, Dodger Stadium, and the birth of modern Los Angeles. You, V, Vince DiMasselli, go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I feel like I'm walking into the lion's den. Uh, I'm, I'm an original uh, New Yorker. I'm actually originally from New York, So, uh, but I've lived out in the Midwest now for almost 20 years, so uh-huh. uh, I'm not really used to guys like you. I'm going to have to sort of ease my way in.
1: Where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in the Bronx, uh, uh, in the Kingsbridge area. The Bronx, ironically, as a Mets fan, not as a Yankees fan. Jerry, just so I know. I am too uh, too young to remember the Dodgers leaving, uh, but what I do remember is growing up with kids whose uh, parents were Dodgers and Giants fans, uh, and that's when I really first started to hear about you know Walt, the you know the, the uh, Walter O'Malley as villain story you know how he had obviously ripped his heart, ripped the city's heart out by taking the team away and that's that's really when I first uh, uh, got exposed to this I had no idea that many years later I'd be writing a book about Dodger Stadium and in Los Angeles but that's that's sort of how I got my start in the Bronx in the 1960s.
2: So as as judge, jury, and executioner, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the questioning if I'm might. Jerry, make your case, make the case that you make in the book that Walter O'Malley is, or that Roger Mo, Ro, Robert Moses is the villain.
3: Oh, well, what, I, what I'd say to that is you have to take Walter O'Malley on his own terms. Uh, what he wanted, all he said he wanted for the 10 years that he fought to get uh, uh, Ebbets, Ebbetsfield replaced is, uh, I want to own my own ballpark uh... in the borough of brooklyn uh... and what i want uh, from the city government Uh, is help on acquiring the land uh, because I don't have the money to acquire the land on my own Uh, he turns to Robert Moses because as we said Robert Moses determines what gets built, who builds it uh, where it gets built in the uh, New York of the 1950s and Robert Moses who was not a sports fan, uh, who doesn't like O'Malley uh, personally becomes because he comes out of a completely different culture Uh, Moses who was born Jewish identifies as a Protestant Distant. uh he views himself as a good government guy uh, walter o 'malley 's an Irish Catholic. Uh, his father had been in the uh, Tammany Hall a machine uh, he 's comfortable in democratic uh, uh, politics uh, They come from very very different places and Moses says to o 'malley uh, i don't uh, i 'm not going to condemn this land for you at Atlantic uh, uh, and at Flatbush, which is the land that o 'malley wanted It's it 's uh, near because i don 't think that a stadium is a public purpose and uh under the you know not to get too technical here but under the housing act of 1949 uh, governments could condemn blighted properties, uh, slum properties, uh, resell those properties uh, to uh, to developers yeah. point or, of information. or builders, uh, and they would build something that fulfilled a public purpose. Yeah, point of uh, information, counselor. Like a school counselor. or a hospital, you know, or a park or, or something like that. Uh, O'Malley is making the argument that this baseball stadium, although he's going to own it privately, does fulfill a public purpose because he's going to be paying property taxes, uh, because it's going to create jobs. Uh, uh, he 's making a lot of the arguments that Bruce Ratner made for uh, you know for for you know for Atlantic yards, only I think o 'Malley actually meant it yeah, that was uh, jobs. Uh, he actually thought that or believed sincerely that this would uh, would create jobs and and help the borough while helping walter o 'Malley as well. Uh, Moses turned him down. Uh, O'Malley really didn't have anywhere else to go except into a public stadium. He did not want to be a renter in a public stadium. You know, we can argue with him in, you know, retrospectively and say, hey, you should have taken a public stadium, but that's not who he was. That's not what he wanted. Uh, he wanted to stay in New York. Uh, now, he hold on. Was hold on. Now, now, hold on. Uh, uh, Counselor, was, Counselor was was objection. They gave him the deal that, Ob- uh, that New York Objection.
2: Hey, I've got a gavel here. Objection. Now, I got to let Vince get in there because he is going to object so vehemently.
1: And I'm just going to sit back and listen, Jerry. Go. Okay. Okay. My theory is he didn't want to stay in New York. And I think that, I think very early on in the process, you know, from reading your book and from doing research myself, I think that O'Malley, the second he bought the Dodgers, wanted to put them in a new stadium. And at that point in the late 1940s and the early 1950s, I think. Uh, Brooklyn was a great place to to build a stadium, but that was changing and changing quickly. There was white flight in New York City in the nineteen fifties. But I think the 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 linchpin for him, not the linchpin, but the the turning point was when uh, the Boston Braves moved to Milwaukee okay, yeah. and immediately started beating them out in in uh, in attendance, making money hand over fist, and then becoming a better team. And I think at that point, again, we can't go into these guys' heads. But I think it's logical to assume that at that point, O'Malley said, wait a second, what am I doing here in New York when I can go out to L.A. and make a fortune? And if I don't do it, somebody else will, because he always said that by 1960, Major League Baseball was going to come to Los Angeles. It was going to happen. It was going to be on the West Coast. And why shouldn't he be the one to make all that money instead of, say, an expansion team? Yeah. Yeah. So, Jerry, what do you think of that?
3: uh... what i'd say i I'd, I'd say three things let's hope i remember them uh... the first is that while you're correct there is white flight in brooklyn in the nineteen fifties is substantial white flight uh... where he wanted to build the stadium which is basically just adjacent to downtown brooklyn uh... would have been an area that could have been a vibrant area in other words evitz is where it is you know it's in it's in fort green or basically in fort green uh... that's a deteriorating area uh... but atlantic flatbush if any part of brooklyn is gonna be saved it's, it's, it's that part of it, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, if, if he was going to build a stadium somewhere else in Brooklyn, the white flight might have, have made a difference, but I think, it, I think what he was feeling was that, you know, you've got nine subway lines, you've got the LIRR terminal, uh, uh, it's near or, you know, it, however you define downtown Brooklyn, it's either in or near downtown Brooklyn, this is an area that can be saved. Uh so that's the first thing I would say. Second I would say that if uh if he had intended to move to LA all along, he sort of had a peculiar way of showing it because uh from my research he was remarkably unfamiliar with the city. He had hardly ever visited it. Uh he didn't know anything about the politics of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is usually a pretty thorough man. I mean O'Malley, you know, is a uh, he plans ahead, he's very rational, uh very deliberative and uh, if if he really was interested in los angeles in fifty two fifty three fifty four uh... he would have done a lot more legwork than he seemed to do i mean he gets off the plane in los angeles and he gets served with a taxpayer lawsuit but you know while he's on the tarmac he doesn't even know that's coming uh... he finds out there's going to be a referendum he doesn't even know what a referendum is because he's from new york uh... so i would say that if if he had planned to move to los angeles all along he wouldn't have only visited the city 3 times for a total of like 10 days in his entire life now the third thing uh, 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 about the Milwaukee Braves i you know i agree with vince uh, <gasps> uh... O- o'malley was really really nervous about the braves and living out here in wisconsin uh, uh, as i as i do i teach it you know at, at school here in wisconsin uh, there's a certain irony in that that the milwaukee braves which is a uh, a franchise that you know that hasn't even been in milwaukee for for a half a century so spooked o'malley but but they did uh, they had a bigger stadium they had a great stadium deal uh... they had all the parking uh... uh that that O'Malley coveted uh they had the concession revenues that O'Malley coveted uh you know there you know there's there's no baseball draft so it's a free market for players and he can already see the winds changing against him but that does not mean he he says I have to move to Los Angeles what he says is I have to have a big new stadium uh, that I control and own yeah. now that stadium can be in New York could be in Los Angeles but that's what I want so it's not necessarily the location it's the stadium itself.
0: All right, so but, Vince, but I
3: agree with Vince that, 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 the, uh, that the, the Milwaukee Braves really got him nervous. All right, so
1: Vince, you heard a lot from the professor. Yes, I did. What did you think of it? I think that there are some, there's some other evidence, very strong evidence that O'Malley totally but by, by the time Milwaukee made that move and he saw what was going on, O'Malley was intent on moving west. Go, Vince, go. First of all, he bought a plane. He bought a plane. Right. Who buys a plane? And he spent a lot of money on that How plan. much was the plane? He spent $775,000 on a plane. What year was that? In February of 1957. 57. So he hadn't moved yet. Hadn't but moved but yet. the minute he buys that plane, Jerry, he's going to L.A. Guess what else he did in 1957? What else? He sold the land. Well, actually, it might have been before that. He sold the land under which Ebbets existed. It okay. was on. He sold the land,
3: Jerry. Right. He sold it to a realtor named Marvin Cratter, and Cratter. he would have had to have been out, uh, uh, I think, after the 59 season.
2: That
0: uh, was...
3: uh, th- then the land went to Cratter. All
1: right. So 59, 57. Where's yeah, that?
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I see where you're going. Go yeah, ahead. Keep He's,
1: going. Keep going, Vince. He sold He sold it. And then, of course, he made the trade or the purchase or whatever you want to call it of Wrigley Field in Los Angeles, giving him the rights to play in Los Angeles at that time, you know, as, as as how Major League Baseball would play it well, out. Point of information, Vince, I don't know what you're talking about. Wrigley Field oh, in Los Angeles? This is an interesting story. Go, vi- somebody somebody, somebody fill me in. Well, uh, Wrigley, who owned the Chicago Cubs, at the time, owned the Los Angeles, I believe it was the Los Angeles Angels, which yes, played Los
3: Angeles Angels.
1: at Wrigley Field, which was in downtown Los Angeles. And it uh, was Not
3: not really downtown, but, you know, sort of south of downtown. In what would be known as, like, South Central today.
1: Oh, go. that's where all Central. the greatest movies come from. Okay. And yeah. it's also where they filmed... Uh, Uh, That TV show, uh, Uh, the the Home Run Derby show, yes, it was a great, great little ballpark. Yeah, cool show, yeah. Now, the problem with that ballpark was it was a little small, but O'Malley said they could easily convert it to a larger stadium so that the Dodgers could play there. So, now, why would he make this purchase? Why would he make the deal with Wrigley if he didn't have intentions of going to Los Angeles? I mean, this is, I mean, this is the smoking gun. It's a slam dunk there, Jerry. Let's hear a rebuttal to that.
3: All right, the rebuttal is very easy. He is negotiating with both cities at the same time uh, and when he gets what he wants from one city or the other and he certainly preferred New York that's the deal that he would take. So it's the but art of the he, deal. He, he, it's he the art of the a deal. Man. He is he-, he is hedging his bets. Uh, the sale of the uh, of, of the Ebbets Field property to the realtor Mar- Marvin Cratter was just like uh, playing in Jersey City, uh, uh, as he did in '55 and '56 50, uh, and '57. Uh, a way of putting pressure on New York City to give him the deal that he wanted. Uh, the uh, purchase or the trade for Wrigley Field, uh, which was a very small stadium, maybe about 23,000 seats. And I actually visited the site. Uh, it's not there anymore, but I visited the site. It would have been tough to build a big stadium there it was was as closed in as Ebbets Field was in terms of no parking but that was also to give himself an option in case case New York basically stonewalled him Uh, so he is not doing anything that a smart businessman would not do he is keeping his options open he'll have an option in New York he'll have an option in in Los Angeles but the bottom line is that if New York had given him the land or made it possible for him to get that land at Atlantic and Flatbush uh, for a price that he could afford, there's no question that he would have built that stadium at Atlantic Flatbush, and we'd still be talking about the Brooklyn Dodgers.
1: Was Walter O'Malley a penny pincher?
3: I don't think he was any more of a penny pincher than any other uh, owner. Uh, and it's fact that it's, uh, it's ironic because his partner for a, a number of years as owner of the Dodgers was Branch Rickey, who uh, in, in many ways has, has, has sort of had a halo around his head largely because of bringing uh, uh uh Jackie Robinson to the majors, but uh, uh the greatest pit, penny pincher of all time probably was Branch Rickey. Uh, uh uh he he squeezed a nickel harder than I think anybody else. So, I I don't think he was any more of a penny pincher than you know than than any other uh, than any other owner and remember before free agency uh, the players have absolutely no leverage they can either take take the offer or uh, you know or or, or go home uh, he also did a lot of things that that were quietly kind that i that that i Read about, or you know, in the, in the course of my, my my research, I think the nicest thing he did was to help Roy Campanella uh, after uh, Campanella was paralyzed in an auto accident. Uh, 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 O'Malley put him on the Dodger payroll, you know, as a coach, as an ambassador, as a speaker uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. And so I don't think that he was any more of a penny pincher than, than, than anybody else was.
1: Now, the reason I ask is because it just seems odd to me that he would spend almost one-third of the amount of money that he made selling Ebbets Field on that plane as just a bluff. It it seems like that that's a that's a heck of
3: a bluff. Well, you know, even if you don't move to the coast, you still fly out to places like Chicago and St. Louis and, you know, the train rides just to St. Louis were always just mm-hmm. legendarily mm-hmm. miserable. Right. So, if you can have your own plane and once again, if, you know, if you get that expense out of the way up front, and you don't have to worry about flying commercial or chartering planes. Uh, you can actually save money in the long run, uh, you know, if the plane is properly maintained. So, and, uh, yes. And it, you can it, save it a lot. It certainly was a great way to fly to L.A. <laughs> you can but say, it was also a great way to fly to St. Louis, Chicago, and Milwaukee as well.
1: I know, but you could save a lot more money in the long run if you're playing all your home games in L.A. And now you've got to fly... All the way out to the West Coast, every every uh, all the way out to the East Coast, every time you got to play everybody else, and then you could bounce around, for and then your flight back to L.A. is going to. I mean, that that's a big savings right there. Well, I got it is
3: a big savings, but you know, if you if if uh, I I just have to reiterate, if he mm-hmm. gets his deal in New York, he's got his airplane, but he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, uh, in you know in Los Angeles. I, you know, I... right at the very end, I'm always uh, there's always, and I write about this in my book. There's this tantalizing moment. Moses has turned him down. Uh, there's a sports authority plan that goes down the drain because, you know, Moses is not enthusiastic about it. At the last minute, Nelson Rockefeller, of all people, comes in. And Nelson Rockefeller, you probably know, was not a sports fan. You know, this is not his thing. Yeah. But he wants to run for governor in 1958. This is 1957. And Rockefeller comes in at the very end and says, uh, if the city will condemn the land, Atlantic and Flatbush, I will buy it. Uh, uh, and then I will lease uh, it it, it, at no cost to O'Malley and the Dodgers, and uh, they will build the stadium at their own expense, and then after 20 years they'll buy the land, meaning the Dodgers will buy the land from me. And I always thought that if, uh, if Rockefeller had tossed in another million or two uh, he reached his limit, I think it was $3 million he was going to put in uh, the condemnation price of the land well, apparently was $8 million uh, and, then, and then Moses stepped in and said the city should not be you know, uh, should, should not be paying the $5 million. but I always thought that if, if, if Rockefeller had, had upped the ante to maybe 5 or $6 million and he certainly had the money there was the germ of a deal uh, in there, and this is as late as September of 1957 I mean, this is like literally Weeks before right. uh, the announcement is made, uh, uh, Jerry, uh, and had Rockefeller, you know, uh, uh, you know, up the ante and put in some money, and you know, as as I say in the book, uh, all it would take is money, and Rockefeller had plenty of that. Then uh, right. we'd be talking about uh, Sandy Koufax, Brooklyn Dodger Hall of Famer.
2: All right, let's, and I appreciate that. Thank you for mentioning Koufax. But listen, I'm judge, jury, and executioner in this debate, and I've heard a lot of testimony. Uh oh. But I'm not ready to render a verdict. No, you can't, because I'm not done yet. I know, but but I'm <laughs> I want to just interject one thought. And it sounds to me like this was, for, forgive my English, this was a classic shit show. In other words, you've got a guy who runs construction in the city in the form of Robert Moses who doesn't care about sports and probably doesn't even appreciate the role that sports can actually play in the heart of a yeah, city. Yeah, he,
3: he doesn't, you're right. You've
2: yeah. got Walter O'Malley who literally and figuratively is playing cities and, and, and stadia off each other. You've got this rich guy Rockefeller who also doesn't care about sports and probably is rich because he's pretty damn cheap coming in at the last minute. And then you got Horace Stoneham, who we have not even mentioned, Vince, probably doing the same damn thing, except secretively. You got Walter O'Malley buying a plane, and I will add something that I need your comment on before I allow you to comment. I'm reading a New York Times article from February 22, 1957. This is right after O'Malley bought the plane. And the last paragraph of this story, Jerry, is O'Malley and his attractive wife, Kay, have two children, a daughter, Terry, and a son, Peter, they live quietly in Amityville, Long Island. Now, first of all, A, was Kay O'Malley attractive? And B, how do you write that in a publication? You didn't write it. Uh, if
3: it's 1957, that is, uh, that is the style.
2: Well, I've Googled uh, her. I've Googled her, and I don't find her attractive. So I am asking the New York lovely Times. She was a woman. I mean, was my
3: research, she was a woman who had a, a, a terrible setback very early in her life. Uh, she lost the use of her voice. She had, I guess, a form of throat cancer. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Ma- and, O'Malley uh, must have liked uh, that. I think her vocal cords had to be uh, removed, Jesus. and she could never speak for the rest of her life above a whisper. Uh, wow! Uh, and, uh, that changes um, everything. She and Walter O'Malley seemed to have a wonderful marriage. Uh, uh, sure, she uh, never talked back. her. <laughs> so, I, you know, don't don't just sort of look at uh, look, look look at the externals. Uh, this this was. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you ask people who knew Kay O'Malley, you know, ask fifty people who, who, who knew her, the word lovely would probably be uttered by 49 of wow. the 50. Okay, so well, like, so I, I think she, I, I, so I'll, you know, and I'll, 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 I'll leave it at that. But, well, yet, I made the... in 1957, the New York Times, a New York Times reporter could write something like that, and no one would even comment no. about it. Well,
2: J- Jerry, I have to admit, I've made the classic Gersh Kuntzman mistake, which is Google imaging a woman I'm interested in and <laughs> making a judgment. So I'm sorry, I've apologized to Kay O'Malley, uh, the late, great Kay O'Malley and all her, descendants, including Peter O'Malley, who I think is still alive.
3: Peter O'Malley is, uh, is, is de- definitely uh, definitely alive, okay. and uh, uh, his, his archives uh, uh, and, and files uh, were, were instrumental uh, in, 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 fr- in
1: me writing this book. All right. Well,
2: don't try to change the subject, Counselor. Okay, Vince has got one more point, and then we got to take a quick break for a commercial.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is what it all comes down to. Um, the, negoc- bottom line. the The bottom line at the end of the day, as we like to say on this show. Uh, the negotiations for Wrigley Field in um, Los Angeles. Bottom line. When did that start? How long did it take? It seems like these guys are, are businessmen. This isn't something that they would take lightly. So if they made that deal in 57, how long had they been working on it? And I'm guessing that wasn't something that happened overnight. I'm guessing that probably took years and years. To hash out, uh,
3: uh, uh, it's it's a good question to to answer it as honestly as I can. I do think it was a relatively quick deal. Uh, Walter O'Malley had an interesting relationship with Phil Wrigley, the Chicago Cubs owner. I I think that uh, Wrigley, chewing gum magnate, much richer than O'Malley, deferred to O'Malley in a lot of areas. And so you really wonder, like, why would, uh, wh- why would Phil Wrigley trade the Los Angeles market for the Fort Worth-Dallas uh, market? Obviously, Wrigley has no intention of moving his teams. So, That's the definition uh, of a bad deal. Uh, I think this was a deal that was worked out over the winter of 56-57, and I don't think it had been in the works for a long time. Now, I have no specific evidence one way or another. Uh, uh, you know, in other words, I have no paper trail. That, that, that starts these negotiations in 1953 or something. You didn't find uh, any first, emails? The first paper trail that I see is, is like over the winter of 56, 57. Now, that's not necessarily to say that they weren't talking beforehand, but... My sense is that it was a pretty quick deal, and I think it was one of those deals where Walter O'Malley says to Phil, Wrigley, Phil, uh, I, need, I need a favor from you here. Uh, I need to swap franchises because uh, I'm negotiating with both cities at the same time, and it would really help me uh, to have the rights to the city of Los Angeles. And Wrigley, for probably, I don't, I don't even know what the consideration could have been, uh, says, okay, uh, we'll, you know, we'll do that.
1: It's. It, it seems like he, O'Malley probably should have had uh, Ernie Banks thrown into that one too.
3: That wouldn't have been wonderful. All right, yeah.
1: Listen,
2: Jerry. Before I ender, render my verdict, we got to take a quick break. Just hang hang on the phone because we you, we got a barn burner in a second. But I got to start by asking you, Jerry, while I do my little commercial. <laughs> Jerry, you and I look. You're not an old guy. You're not. You're like me. You're probably in your mid low low fifties, mid fifties. Just
3: being a little kind, but I'll take it.
2: Okay. Well, you know, Jerry, you're not getting any younger. And one of our advertisers is a company called Village Care Max. Now, you may have heard of Village Care Max, maybe under a different name, but the idea is it's a Medicaid managed long-term plan that helps you stay in your home. Because you know, you live out there in Wisconsin. I live here in New York. The best place for a retired person is in his or her home. They're going to
3: have to take me out kicking and screaming from my home.
2: Well, then maybe you should get Village Care Max because what they do is they send in a team of healthcare professionals. They work with your doctor. They work with your landlord. They work with your neighbors to make sure you stay in your home. You want more information, all you got to do is go to VillageCareMax.org. Or call 1 800 469 6292 Village Care Max. Live the life and go to the ball
1: games you want to live and go to. There you go. Great. Hey, Jay, when was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? You can answer that question.
3: Uh, it's. Uh... <laughs> With my, with, with, with my teeth problems, it's been a while. Yeah. All right, so listen, yeah. the
1: next time you come to Brooklyn, here's what you got to do. You've got to visit Dr. Joseph Lichter, because Dr. Joseph Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices, so that almost anyone, even you, Jerry, out there in Wisconsin, can afford to get the smile that you deserve. And right now, his prices are even more affordable, because listen to Brooklyn Paper or Radio, that's us, get a low price for some of what Dr. What kind his, of prices, Vince? Some of Dr. Lichter's most... Popular procedures. What kind of prices are you talking about? Invisalign. Gotta... It's the virtually invisible alternative to metal braces. Yeah, Jerry, what would you pay, what would you pay for those adult braces behind the
2: teeth out in Wisconsin? Like six thousand uh, dollars?
3: I would I would imagine it would be uh, it would be in that vicinity. Yeah. I would I would actually like
1: those. Thirty nine ninety five at Lichter. Wow. That, we got a veneer special right now. Cosmetic porcelain, seven hundred and fifty dollars per veneer. And you know, Joseph Lichter, we're talking sports here is the official dentist for the New York Riveters of the WNHL that's the Women's National Hockey League wow, and you man, would he's never a know. Dentist.
2: He's yeah, got work
1: yeah. You would never know that they play hockey. You can have their smiles are perfect. You can have the teeth of a girl hockey player. There you go. <laughs> Joseph Flicker give him a call right now. He's at 718-339-7878. Joseph Flicker where your smile is his priority. He's at 1420 Avenue P. In Brooklyn. Now, you know, Jerry, I'm looking at the picture of you in the book jacket
2: of your book, "City of Dreams: Dodger Stadium and the Birth of Modern Los Angeles." And I got to say, I got, I got no problem with your teeth. You look great. It's a oh, red shirt.
3: Well, I, the, the three dentists that that have been working on me since I got out to Wisconsin uh, will, uh, will all thank you.
2: Wisconsin, where dentistry dreams come true. I, <laughs> I just wrote that. I thought it was about cheese. Anyway, let's just. If you're just joining us, you've missed a heck of a show. Gersh Kuntsman co-host of Brooklyn Paper Radio, is sitting in judgment of Vince DiMasselli and Gerald Podare, who's the author of City of Dreams, Dodger Stadium, and the Birth of Modern Los Angeles. And Vince's credentials should not be in question. He's obsessed with the Brooklyn Dodgers and, in short, believes that Walter O'Malley... And Walter O'Malley alone. ...is the villain, and Podare has a much more balanced view and blames Robert Moses. Now, that brings up an old joke.
1: It does. Did you hear the joke, Jerry?
3: Uh, I think I've heard all of them but but, but It goes go
1: ahead. A, it goes a little something like this you're a Brooklynite and you walk into a ro- and you have a gun and there are two bullets <laughs> in that gun. Two you, bullets, Jerry. And you walk into a room and inside are Hitler, Hitler Stalin and O'Malley. Hitler, Stalin and Ola- O'Malley got two bullets. Who do you shoot?
3: Well, you you know you know I'll 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 leave the punchline to you.
1: You shoot I, O'Malley twice to make sure he's dead. <laughs> now we were flirting with a version of that joke,
2: Jerry. Now you got Hitler, Stalin, and Robert Moses in a room, but you only have one bullet. So I said, "Hey, you toss aside the gun and you let Moses destroy neighborhoods
1: with a highway." That's what
3: you do. <laughs> you you bring in Jane Jacobs. That's and, right, baby. And, and that's the only person that
2: he'd be afraid. That's right. You borrow
1: a cup of bullets from your neighbor, Jane Jacobs. <laughs> that's right. That's
3: what you okay, do.
2: Okay. Now we've been talking about City of Dreams, Dodger Stadium, and your and the birth of modern Los Angeles. It's funny that the birth of modern Los Angeles was the was precipitated by the Dodgers leaving, which was the death of the pre-modern Brooklyn. modern You, you yeah. know Brooklyn now. We're a we're a boomtown.
3: Uh, I was I was in uh, giving a talk at the Brooklyn Historical Society last month, and I hadn't been in Brooklyn in a while, and I didn't recognize it. I, I mean, it's it's just it's it's developed like like beyond beyond belief.
2: Did it gall you to see a uh, Bruce Ratner's basketball arena and hockey arena at the pretty close to the location? That Walter O'Malley claims he well, wanted. Well, it,
3: it did to the extent that Ratner got all sorts of things that O'Malley did not get. Yes. I mean, he got uh, subsidies that O'Malley didn't get. He got tax breaks that O'Malley didn't get. Uh, uh, and uh, and then after after all was said and done, and I have to, you know, I am, I am a New Yorker. My New York sports allegiances uh, went with me to Wisconsin. I am actually a Nets fan of 50 years duration. I started with them with, when they were the New Jersey Americans, wow. and I'll have to get this in. Uh, after all that, uh, this is the team that he ends up putting on the floor. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know, I know. It's not good. We don't we we don't really cover sports because uh, what the Nets play is not a sport. It, it, that's not sports. <laughs> but yeah. but anyway, the point is Ratner got deals that O'Malley. Some of which he wasn't even demanding, and now no, he wasn't start-
3: even demanding. I, I'm starting I, to I, lean towards I mean, I think he got about three hundred million dollars in in government subsidies yeah. that O'Malley did not ask for uh, they they got probably similar deals uh, or or the the deal that O'Malley wanted on the land was similar to the deal that. Yeah. That, that Ratner got.
2: Yeah, but the land was the, what we called, we used to call that the uh, the original sin of Atlantic Yards was the way they made the land available to Ratner at such a bargain-basement price.
3: Right, and, and and way more land than O'Malley wanted. No, I mean, he's got those, you know, the rail yards at a bargain price, and then uh, other land, because, you know, uh, O'Malley just wanted to build a ballpark. I mean, Ratner said, you know, he's going to have apartments, and he's going to, you know, eventually maybe have, you know, uh, uh, you know retail and residential, you know, all, all sorts of, of of grandiose uh, uh Plans that he needed a lot more land for.
1: Well, yeah, some of those some of those residents opened up this week, I believe. Yeah, listen, you're you're, you're preaching
2: to the queer on that one. We are totally on on board, but we got to get out. Now, I'm about to render a verdict. I got so closing I statements. Up, oh, closing I, closing okay. statements, we, counselor. We need cl-
1: we need closing statements. I will I will let uh, Jerry go first with closing statements.
3: Okay. Uh, uh, in brief, uh, Walter O'Malley desperately wanted to stay in New York, but on his own terms. Uh, land that he could afford, a stadium that he would build by himself uh, on his own. Uh, had he gotten the deal that he deserved, we'd still be talking about the Brooklyn Dodgers today, and Brooklyn would not have gone into the kind of tailspin that it did until its recent revival.
2: Okay, nice, nice closing statement, uh, Councillor DiMaselli. You have a closing statement,
1: and then I will rule. Walter O'Malley. Objection. Was the devil? <laughs> was the devil incarnate? He ripped the soul out of Brooklyn by ripping the Dodgers out and moving them to Los Angeles. A plan that he put in place as early as 1954, when the Milwaukee Braves began playing in Milwaukee and started making money hand over fist. He wanted to get rid of all competition for his team and move them to a place far away where the appetite for baseball was huge. The appetite for Major League Baseball was even bigger where a municipality was willing to make the moves they needed to make to get that Major League Baseball team there. And i just like to point out that he did all those things that Jerry was talking about with New York, getting Rockefeller involved, getting all these to play New York against Mm -hmm. Los Angeles and make Los Angeles think, That the team actually had a chance of staying in Brooklyn. That was not going to happen. He wanted to get rid of the competition. He wanted his team in Los Angeles. He did everything he could to get them there. Brooklyn was doomed.
2: Okay, that's my gavel. I am banging the gavel, Jerry. I have to issue a ruling, and I have to say that I've had many cases before me on the bench. And this one is a perplexing one. We have the weight of history. We have evidence presented in a new book, City of Dreams, Dodger Stadium, and the Birth of Modern Los Angeles. Against that, we have a scholarly paper written in college by Vince Masselli with subsequent research. And I have to say, after hearing the arguments, albeit brief, I have to say that, Walter O'Malley, you are guilty of murder. However, I am also going to charge Robert Moses... With compensatory manslaughter, I don't know if that exists, compensatory manslaughter for facilitating and abetting the crime of killing the Brooklyn Dodgers and sending them to Los Angeles. That is my ruling. You're out of order. <laughs> but Jerry Poder, you're out of order. Vince DiMaselli, you're out of
1: order. All right, I just got a little carried away there, Yeah, Jerry, that was a little, <laughs> little much. And of course, there's no appeal.
2: There is, well, yeah. You can come on the show next week. We'll appeal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I urge all our listeners to write in because we ha- we're going to put a story up about this show, and you can comment on that. You should go out and buy a copy of "City of Dreams: Dodger Stadium and the Birth of Modern Los Angeles" because even if you don't like LA, and yeah. I love LA,
1: and this book is not just about the Dodgers moving out oh, there; no, it's, no, it's, it's about, about yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, it's about LA, and a lot of people are interested in LA. I see the New York Times started a new LA section. I think yeah, I heard, heard that. Anyways, yeah, it's, pu- yeah.
2: it's published by Princeton Press with a big P. Jerry Podare joining us
1: all the way via phone from Wisconsin. If you go on our website now, you can click on the link to the Amazon uh, page where you can buy the book from Amazon. Look okay. at that. Look, so. at, And you probably get a nickel or two off of that.
2: No, I don't see? get nothing. Yeah, you should. <laughs> anyway, Amazon Marketplace. Anyway, Jerry Prater, thank you very much for joining us. It was a great segment. I hope you... G- I'm sorry, Justice. It uh, may not have been served for you, but you have to stand by this, the sanctity of the jury system.
3: Absolutely. That's that's uh, that, that that's where I am and it's always great to talk to New Yorkers.
1: Oh, there you go. Well,
3: yeah, you got to come back.
1: <laughs> it was great to have you on and I hope I opened your eyes a little bit as to You, be... you did.
3: I you, you made you made very strong arguments. <laughs> All right, objection.
2: <laughs> objection. I won't allow Vince to take over. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much Professor Jerry Padere out there in Wisconsin. City of Dreams Dodger Stadium and the rebirth of modern Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>
3: Thanks. Thanks right. for
2: coming on. There you go. Johnny, thank you. Uh, listen, that was a great segment and I got to say in the end, you how would you feel about my verdict? That's right, <laughs> <laughs> what am I here in the show or what what you think of my verdict? Uh, I did like your verdict. Yeah.
1: Uh, obviously I'm glad that I was able to um that I was able to convince you, I thought, convincingly that uh, Walter O'Malley did this on his own. I think it's uh, I, th- I think that it's it's pretty obvious. Well, I gave, I gave Moses a certain amount of the blame. No, now, I, again, have, if Moses would have said yes in 1950, then it's a different story. But yeah. once Moses said no and Milwaukee happened, it was over. All right. So speaking of urban planning, I produced the next
2: segment. And, Johnny, I'm going to need the phone because we are going to reach out to Sal Albanese. Now, you know this guy, Vince. Of course I do. Every four years, I say to Vince, hey, you know, Albanese is running for mayor again, and he's awesome. We should have him on the show. We should, well, and we have. He's a friend of the show. And I'm going to reach out to him right now because he said some things about Mayor De Blasio to yesterday that I thought were just fantastic. So we're going to reach out to him. You got that?
0: Yeah, go. Up. I'm ready.
2: You don't try. It. Don't Why steal this you number. You don't
1: have to pick it up. Well, I tell you this every time.
2: The phone. I always pick it up. No. Is it connecting there? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Dial it. I dialed it.
1: Oh, there it's Look at that. Right now you have to hang it up. No, I don't. I think you do. Well, yeah, no, man. Right, just hang it right. up. I'm going to do it again. All right. all right, just
2: hit speaker. Speaker. We do this a lot, and, and right. that's why we didn't do it. alright nine one, nine, one seven. I'm not it. giving that's it, that's it Stop. <laughs> that's okay, what I like that, to hear. That's, that's okay. so You want the buttons. I like the buttons, yeah, yeah.
0: I like it, too. Yeah, it's a nice effect. You guys got allergies at all? Freaking dying. No. Johnny, I don't care. It's brutal over
1: here. No, allergies are all in your head. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I they're in your chest. I fight, allergies with, I fight allergies with the power of the mind. Is that ringing? I don't hear it. I don't either. This is why I did what I did. And that's why my, my segment was produced better. All right, I'm going to do it again, okay? Let's try it again. But let me hear the... Bu- All right, I'm hanging did up. Did you on. drop it? I dropped it.
0: Let's drop
1: it. Okay,
2: I'm doing it again. Here we go. That's what I like to hear. And again, if you're at home, don't steal this number.
1: I've beaten allergies with the power of the mind, Johnny. You know, I bet That's Russians, really impressive.
2: I bet the Russians could steal the number just by listening to the ringtone. Okay, it sounds like it's ringing now. Sal Albanese. Mr. Sal Albanese, this is Gersh Kutzman and Vince Masselli of Brooklyn Paper Radio. How are you, sir?
4: All right, Gersh. Uh, I, can you call me on the other number I sent you, or or is that a... Is
2: that we a can problem? do that. What's the number? No, no, don't okay, give the number. I have the <laughs> number. Sal, I have the number. I'll call you back in two seconds. Right. See, the thing about Sal is, I once said to Vince, you know, Sal Albanese... You you want to talk to a Sal Albanese? He's sitting there by the phone. Well, sure enough, he wants me to call on the landline, which I think I dialed before.
0: I love a landline. I know.
2: We, we could
1: have had him just dial us. Yeah, good point. Could have gave that out. There. Well, it it's ringing. Ouch. Oh Sorry. my God, Johnny. Sorry. No, I don't have it now. The we... number you dialed. You know what? Let's just fuck it. Do it live. Let's just do it live. What are we you had do you going We
0: had him for a little call while. Call him
1: there. back and tell them to call you at, at, at our number, which is 718-260-4502. Nice. And it, you don't have to pick up the phone. It'll just pick up. Really? Yeah. Do
0: we
2: really want to do
1: that? Yeah, can just do that. We got time. Hey, uh, Sal, I'm, I'm sorry.
2: I tried the other number, and it didn't work. So let you want to just stick with this? Yeah, okay. See, that's, right. that's the kind of accommodating candidate Sal Albanese is. Now, just for our listeners, Sal, who don't know you that well... You represented Bay Ridge in the council for many years. You've run for mayor a couple of times, but this time you have got a, a clear line of attack on Mayor de Blasio. The other day you called him a classic limousine liberal. Now, I agree with you on that particular terminology because the guy is literally in a limousine all the time. How did you mean it, sir? How did you mean it?
4: Well, well you know, I'm a regular subway rider, and the system is, is in a meltdown and the mayor is so far removed from reality because all he does is ride around in an SUV um, and and a, a gas-guzzling SUV by the way nice. and never takes never takes the subway and and that's your vintage limousine liberal he, he wants everybody else to ride the subway but he doesn't ride the subway himself uh, and and he doesn't understand what what voters and constituents Are going through the the system is actually um, is actually in a a crisis mode right now. Delays are everywhere. People are packed in like sardines. Mm -hmm. That's because of neglect over the years. And De Blasio, in three and a half years as mayor has not addressed the issue uh, at all. But, Sal, now but, you're, yeah. demag-
2: you're demagoguing the issue a little bit because you know the mayor has almost no control over the MTA purse strings. No,
4: no, no. I'm not demagoguing the issue at all. But the, the, the mayor has four appointees on the MTA board, Okay. and the city has um, an allocation every single year in the capital budget to the MTA, and the city has underfunded the MTA mm. for years. And what I'm proposing is tripling the allocation from the city and then going to the governor say hey, governor i have i have increased the city share now please meet me halfway and increase the state the state's share and i've also got a number of other proposals to fund the system properly because you know you know gersh and vince our signal system is pre-world war ii the signal system is a disaster that's why we have all these delays we need, we need new stock we need new signals and the way to do that is you have to fund it properly. Now, you said I was demagoguing the issue, and that's not true. As the mayor, my constituents ride the system yeah. on, on a regular basis. You've got to take ownership for it. You've got to be an advocate. I You're was right. around as a council member when Ed Koch was the mayor. And this, the, the trains were literally falling off the tracks in 1980. We had what we call red tag areas yeah. where the, this, the system, had, the trains had actually had to stop because if they went at any rate of speed, they would fall off the track. So what Koch did was he used a bully pulpit. He was on a rampage about the mass transit system. He got to Cuomo the Elder, Mario, and they worked together along with the MTA board, Richard Ravage at the time, and they funded the capital budget, so they fixed the tracks. So I'm not demagoguing it at all. How can you be the mayor of New York City and basically walk away from the most important service and say, look, it's not my responsibility yeah. It's Cuomo's responsibility. Well, let that me, is absolutely wrong.
2: I want to ask you, and I know you've read it, so thank you for reading, but I want to ask you what you thought of my column, which was about the MTA asking employers in New York City, hey, can you flex the hours of your employees because we're just, we are just can't handle the morning and the evening rush hours. You saw that, and then the New York Post I, yeah, put it on the front page. It. I did see it. it
4: I did, it's, out, it's an outrageous request because um, it, it shows you once again, that the system is, is in a state of collapse. And also, you know, you're asking companies in New York City to, to, uh, to cause, to, it's actually going to cause a reduction in productivity. Of course, that was my issue. Money. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. I mean, it, I've never heard that before. I mean, and Cuomo said it's going to be a summer of hell. It's not even summer yet uh, on the transit system. But I will I mean, point I out,
1: it is, it is hot as hell right now.
4: It's hot as hell, mm-hmm. and, and let me tell you, I last week I got stuck. I took the R line. I was supposed to go to Rector Street from 77th Street in Bay Ridge. I get to, I get to Court Street, and, and they tell us that because of signal failure, now we're going over the bridge, yeah. and we're going to skip Whitehall. We're going to skip Rector Street. I wound up on Canal Street. And, and couldn't get back to, to Rector Street. I, I went upstairs to get a cab. I couldn't get in cabs. I had to walk. I was sweating. It took me an hour and a half to get to my office. And, you know, th- this, this every, happens to people on a regular basis. Yeah, every
2: I New mean, Yorker's got that story now. It's like when Vince tells me stories about how high he was it's, it's 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 gotten boring everybody has that story it's like a marijuana it really, person really has. You, you always really. went i don't remember that no anyway <laughs> of course you don't anyway so, listen, so the point is guys this is this is serious stuff this is this well is i mean i got to make a joke
4: it impacts it impacts the economy of the city it impacts the environment uh, this is not a kind of a, a, a mesenteric issue this is this is so important to the city and you have the mayor who's in out of space i mean the guy the guy you know if he had any any concern or would show some leadership, people could understand, hey, maybe he really cares about us. For example, tomorrow we're going to be in front of the prospect clock Y, and when he comes out of the gym, you know, who knows when he comes out, and sometimes he shows up throughout the 12. It, it, we're going to ask him to join join us, me and a couple of my supporters, to take the R line from Ninth Street to City Hall. It's a 15-minute ride. There's no reason for him to jump on the SUV, the gas goes gas in the SUVs. Show some leadership, show some uh, that you really care about voters uh, that are suffering, and um, you know, the, the, the walking from the... I used to work out at the Prospect Club, where I actually grew up in Park Slope. You, you, you get out of... You leave the Y walk two blocks, the all lines right there, mm-hmm. jump on it, to get to City Hall in 15 minutes. It's probably faster than driving, unless you have the right environment.
1: Well, listen, so, why, while you're there, Sal, I want you to check to make sure they shut the car off, because I heard they just idle them the whole yeah, time. Idle. In, idle. Yeah. Well, they do. They do
4: but, idle by the, way, by the way, not only does he bring two SUVs there with, with his detail, he also has two uniformed cops in front of the door. I was there. I drove by last week. Now, we, we have a shortage of patrol officers in the city, and we got two uniformed cops standing in front of the Prospect Park YMCA while De Blasio is sitting on some bicycle. I mean, it's really, it's, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced. I mean, instead of putting a bike at Gracie Mansion or or, at, uh, uh, or in City Hall, he, he has to travel 11 miles on an SUV and take all of these resources to, to sit on an exercise bike. And by the way, the New York Times did a story on his exercise routine. The guy doesn't even sweat.
1: He no, slipped on the break. bike. He's not I mean, breaking this, a this,
4: sweat. This is this is not this is not this is not
1: normal. I have I, I have, have had a, a point of order, I have had reporters inside the Park Slope uh, Y while he was working out and they did report back to me that he did indeed sweat. I do I do oh, wanna really yes, okay, I, I do yeah. have reporters who've seen that. Um, well
4: that's that's a positive that's positive because Katie Taylor of the Times did a story, said he didn't sweat. Well we gotta no
1: I gotta ask you the, the tough questions So You say that you have the answers. Now the MTA is uh for lack of a better term, the the the, the stepchild of, of New York City and the state. Everyone nobody wants to pay. every time the price goes up, the people complain we don't wanna pay, the state doesn't wanna pay, the city doesn't wanna pay. So what's your answer, Sal? What is Mayor Sal Albany's? Okay, How is he gonna pay for answer. it?
4: I, Here's my answer. I'm going to triple the city's allocation from 200. Right now, the city contributes about 250 million a year. I'm going to I'm going to ante it up
0: to a so you're billion going
1: to, you're a going to a billion. A year.
0: Okay, now course, how? Are, a where billion.
1: are you getting that billion? Are you going to toll? Well, you going to toll the East River bridges? Are you well, going to put institute know, congestion well, pricing?
4: We have we have. Well, congestion pricing is an, an issue we need to explore. But wait a second. We have an $87 billion budget. This is the most important service. You know, de Blasio has thrown so much money at, and, and wasted so much money. I am going to make this a priority, reduce waste in other areas. And I uh, know where they are, by the way. Come on, example, reduce eight, waste.
2: Every politician wait, wait, says wait that.
4: Second, wait a second. Wait 80% increase in homelessness funding. Uh, a billion dollars for Rikers Island, and violence has skyrocketed there. So there's a lot of places that we can we can go to find, to find the extra money. Now, the other area is I've got a plan where—this is not my idea. This was a, a bill that's in Albany, which would direct 0.3 percent of the personal income tax into the transit system so that we wouldn't have this, this game every year with some years they funded, other years they don't. It's a steady funding flow into the transit system. Congestion pricing will raise a billion dollars as well, and also, you know, Governor Cuomo has eight billion dollars in in uh, in monies that he collected from banks that, commit, that have committed fraud. He's only allocated four hundred million to New York City. So I'm I'm proposing that he takes a billion dollars out of the eight billion and and allocates it to mass transit now. You know that Cuomo can't stand Blasio, which is part of the problem. So I delivered a letter yesterday, basically saying, "Hey, Governor, you are you are the major player. Uh, when I become mayor, I want to work with you." Oh, Let's so get you the transit system? That's
2: Let's an olive branch. System. No, that's not an olive branch. <laughs> that's a ki- that's an ass kiss, is what that is.
4: <laughs> well, in, in Brooklyn, they may call it that. I, I call it an olive.
2: Okay, olive branch. Uh,
4: because he listen, listen. He is the governor. Sure. Uh, and he has the majority of appointees on the board. And, and I think part of the reason why we're having problems—it uh, shouldn't be that way—is because of the tr- horrible, horrible relationship between De Blasio and Cuomo. Which, by the way, De Blasio is mainly responsible for over because he, he trashed them after after he gave him three hundred million dollars for the UPK, the Universal Pre Kindergarten program. He trashed Cuomo because he didn't pass uh, a surtax.
2: Wow, this is this is uh, a real New olive Orange. branch. This is a real That's olive branch sale. Orange.
4: Listen. But I'm also, if, if you read my letter, I, you know, I don't know if you read my letter. I read the letter. Cuomo, It also says that I want the state to pay its fair share. But I can tell you this. Cuomo has a very, very sharp political antenna. And if I go around the city and I say, look, uh, here's what I'm doing now. I expect the governor to join me. This is where the bulk of the votes are. And I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not going to do it by, by uh, pissing on his shoes. I'm going to do it in a diplomatic way so that we can get him on board sure. like Koch Koch got his father on board yeah it, it, there's a way to do it and don't don't if you guys I don't know if you guys were around but Koch and Cuomo have made the difference
2: no I was around uh, and, and I did and one. I never piss on shoes just so you know I don't like people <laughs> who, okay now we got to get out but Sal I want to make sure one thing you are running for yeah, mayor as, as a Democrat am I right
4: Yes, and I've also had the Reform Party line. I'll be, I'll be on the ballot in, in the general election as well.
2: Yeah, I know, but I need you in the Democratic primary, which, if I'm not mistaken, is September... 12th. September 12th. 12th. Now, you're out there yeah. collecting petition signatures right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah,
4: we're, we're, we're going to be on the ballot. Yeah, we, we've hired staff. We're, we're ramping up, absolutely.
2: So how... And, and I know what I'm going to get when I ask this question, but you've always been honest with us. How is the campaign going? Very well. I mean again, again, I always hear that. Give me some nuts well, and bolts. Let
3: me, let me let me tell you
4: let me tell you this. It, I mean, I have in terms of fundraising, we could do better. The problem, I'm not accepting money from lobbyists and big real estate. Mm. I've got about seven hundred donors. I got a fundraiser tonight as a matter of fact.
2: Where's the fundraiser? Because so, maybe all listeners at, will go down there.
4: Yeah, it's at Maxwell's on fifty nine Reed Street, seven oh, o'clock. Nice in okay. Manhattan. Maxwell's. you're welcome to come as my guest.
2: No, 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 Sal, no, we don't do that. I pay. I pay if I if I'm going to give the oh. Brooklyn paper bounce, I'm going to pay for it.
4: Well, good. I would love to see that. That's even better. You know, I'm just <laughs> trying to be, you know, diplomatic. I guess.
2: But, now but
1: the, there's going to be some debates coming up. I'm sure. Are, yes. are there going to be debates? Are you going to be yes. on those debates? And will De Blasio yes. be there?
4: Well, he has to be there for the debates that mm-hmm. are been sponsored by the New York City Campaign Finance yeah, Board. Yeah, the matching Mandatory. matching, okay. matching funds.
2: To, you got a debate, yeah. so he's yeah, going to be so. there for that. When is that debate? In August. There are two oh, August. Six- August, when everybody's <laughs> paying attention to local city uh, politics, boy, they yeah. really screw you, Sal.
4: <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> but that, you know, the system is uh, geared towards helping the people that are in office. But but I think you know, as I'm traveling around the city, there are there are a lot of people that are disenchanted with this mayor. So if, if there's a viable alternative, and I plan on being it, people are going to look at you very closely. Well,
1: you know, Sal, you left the council before term limits, right? That's right. Why did you leave? Yeah. You had it all. Oh, You're in Bay Ridge. I,
4: I want pri- private sector. I want you know. Listen, I'm not a professional politician. I actually, actually, I actually can get work outside of politics. I mean, I got a, I got a background. I'm a teacher. I have, I have a background in finance. I'm a lawyer. I, 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 you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in office forever. And yeah, but those are the
2: kind of people be- we want in office. What? <laughs> the
1: people who I don't want to be in office. <laughs>
4: Yeah, but well, he's, I was there I was there for fifteen years. Okay, yeah, 15
1: years. He's trying to get into office. He just wants the office he wants is the mayorship of New York City. Yeah, well, but but
2: it's exactly. Sal Albany's it's not an entry level job. He was a councilman for many years. He's at right. a Bay Ridge to the core. I mean, I know you say he grew up in Park Slope, but I mean you've been in Bay Ridge a long time.
4: Yeah, yeah. I've been I was in Bay Ridge. Actually you should know that three months ago I moved to Staten Island.
2: Oh what? my god. You're on the rock? Yeah.
4: Yeah, because my, my grandkids are there, both of my daughters are there, so my, my wife babysits there all the time,
2: so we're right over the bridge. I feel like I all right, wait, ha- wait,
1: wait, wait, you, gotta g- give me a, you don't have to give me a street, give me a neighborhood, because I live on the rock.
2: Richmond Town.
1: Richmond is very town. nice. I, I feel like very i got to nice. hang up on him now, because now he lives in Staten Island. No, this is the now ultimate, this is it, this is the ultimate outsider. He's a Staten Islander, he's a Democrat, they <laughs> barely exist. I don't think there's been a Staten Island, <laughs> I don't think there's
2: been a Staten Island <laughs> mayor since, like, Mayor yep. Highland. I don't honest. even think he was a Staten Islander. Let's
4: be honest. Uh, I, I, I leave Brooklyn. I mean, that's where I spend most of my life. So I'm in Bay Ridge all the time anyway. But, you know, all right. uh, and I, I, Staten Island is nice, but I, I don't feel like it's right, it's right over the bridge. It's not much different, you know. I, mean, I, I, I will point but, out,
1: Richmond Town isn't just right over the bridge. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit, you're well, a little bit inland. I'm
4: only, I'm only, I'm only like, Ten minutes away from the bridge. You I'm go sure over the bridge. Go down Richmond Road.
2: Um, I'm home. I'm yeah. sure this conversation is interesting. Have you ever taken <laughs> the Staten Island Rapid Transit? <laughs> right. I have. Of course he has. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yes, now I we. I know we were talking about transit. We were talking about the insane Flex plan, and we do have to get out. But I'm going to give you one more chance, Sal. Give me your other big issue that you want all of our listeners to hear, Sal Albanese. On
4: oh. The big, the, the big issue is I want to clean up the political system. I've got, I've got a bunch uh, of proposals. You just well, what, killed what you me. You
2: killed me. It? Nobody cares about that, Sal. Nobody oh, does. Yes,
4: they do care because in New York City, pay to plays on steroids. The mayor almost went to jail.
2: That's true. Uh,
4: we want to clean up the system. And, and I have got a couple of ideas to do that. One score democracy vouchers, non-partisan elections, lobbying yeah. reform. Those are big issues.
2: You did talk Those, about nonpartisan elections. Yeah, you you talked about that last time on the show, and it actually made a lot of sense to me. Nonpartisan elections, but well, Sal, California,
4: California, by the way, passed nonpartisan elections. Their governance has improved
2: dramatically since that time. Well, I mean that's it, it makes a good case, and it's something we'll talk about down the road, and not bury it in the middle of the summer when all of our listeners are, are out on the on the beach in Reese Park well, or whatever. So listen, we got to get out, Sal. Sal Albanese on the line. He's petitioning right now to get on the ballot to challenge Emperor de Blasio. I, I just threw that in. And I'm thinking, the emperor, Sal... The
4: emperor, has, the emperor has no clothes.
2: Yeah, I don't want to see that. I can't Now I can't unsee that, Sal. <laughs> but the point is, I believe that Sal Albanese is going to get the Gersh Kunstman bounce, but I'm not ready to make an endorsement yet. But he's, he's a friend of the show. He comes on. That's right. So Sal... Thank you again. We wish you a lot of luck in this race. I
1: I got to ask him one more question, Sal. You didn't hear the earlier portion of our show, but who is responsible for the Dodgers leaving Brooklyn? Was it A. Walter O'Malley, the devil himself, who owned the Dodgers, or B. Robert Moses, the devil himself, who plowed through uh, minority neighborhoods with with highness? Robert Moses. You're blaming Moses. Awesome.
4: Robert Moses. Even though I'm not crazy about O'Malley, I, I, I'd say it was Robert Moses. All right. Well, so, you know, O'Malley was just a, a greedy entrepreneur, right? He saw the ability to move west, but, you know, uh, it, w- it would have been great to have the
2: Dodgers here. Well, yeah, you, a big you never would have gone to Staten Island if the Dodgers hadn't left.
4: <laughs> well, uh, listen, I'm, I
2: believe Brooklyn. There you go. All right, got to get out. Sal Albanese, leading contender for the Democratic nomination on the radio. Thank you so much, Sal. Thank you. All right. So listen, I got we gotta pay a couple of bills, but before we even do that, I just wanna say <laughs> Vince, great show. I had We're, to
1: bring that full circle. Did you saw how you I brought it a so full circle?
2: Right. Well, you know what else comes full circle? What is that, Gersh? Your care. Oh yes. Because you're you're a great looking guy, but you're getting older. There's nothing I can
1: do about that. But you and you live on the rock, when you retire and get older, you wanna retire in your home. I've thought about this, Gersh, and I'm trying to set out my home in such a way so that I can stay there. Yeah, but if you had Village Care Max... Which I even a, put in one of those bathrooms
2: as saying, if that you, you had, can
1: walk into without had, stepping over anything.
2: If you had Village Care Max, a Medicaid-managed long-term plan, you could stay in your home and in your community for as long as possible because they got a team of professionals that works with your doctor, your landlord, everybody to help you obtain the best healthcare options available. So call Village CareMax at 800-469-6292 or visit them at villagecaremax.org. Village CareMax. Live the life, on The Rock or in Brooklyn, you want to live.
1: That is fantastic. Listen, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? When was the last time you got a good price on dentistry? No, in fact, i got to take my kids to the fancy dentist in Park Slope and it's going to be another grand. Well, that's a big mistake because you should be heading over to Dr. Joseph Lichter in Midwood, where the prices are right. You know about Zoom bleaching?
2: I do. I, I don't use it. I mean I drink a lot of coffee if that's what you're saying. Well, I'm
1: I'm just I'm just saying you should look into it, Gersh, because I'm looking at your teeth and I see that is that you, you got a bleach. $395. What do, you, what do you mean I got a bleach? I'm, I'm seeing Oh, bleach. it's only $395. There you go. I got a bleach. All right. Now if you need an implant. Now, I don't know if I ever told you this, Gersh. I have a baby tooth. You do? I do. Let me see it. Right there. Johnny, can you get a Oh my god! Uh, He's I got a little that. snaggle look tooth in there. I'm almost forty-eight years old and I have a baby tooth. One day that tooth is gonna come out. It's going to fall out. The dancers have told me that. (laughs) It's going to fall out. They've been telling me that
2: since I'm 16. Are you going to put it under your pillow, Vince?
1: Are you going to get a dollar? How much do you think that's worth? Well,
2: I mean, if it's a baby tooth and it's still in your mouth, I'd give you like 20 bucks for that. It would be worth enough to get
1: Invisalign.
2: Yeah, no question about it.
1: $39.95 at Dr. Joseph. Yeah, but
2: he's going to charge you a little more than $39.95 because first he's going to pull that tooth and he's going to... No, no, no. I'm saying when it falls out. But if
1: I get an implant at Dr. Joseph, it only costs me $12.50, which I think that tooth is worth. Maybe that's a straight trade. That's a straight trade. Listen, here's how you do it. You just head over to Dr. Joseph. First, make an appointment. Call him at 718-339-7878. Dr. Joseph Lichter. He's at 1420 Avenue P in Midwood. He's between 14th and 15th Streets. You can visit him online at Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS. Actually, it's Joseph Lichter, com, And leave off the doctor for savings. <laughs> that's Lichter. Leave off the P for periodontal. All right. Vince, it was a great
2: show. I want to tell you where I'm going right now. Where are you at? Because you're going to be like, oh, my God. I'm going to go meet uh, Brooklyn paper legend Stephen Rex Brown for a beer in Fort Greene. We're going to meet at um, what of my Chop liver. Uh, if you were Chop liver, I'd be I'm so hungry right now. I'm going to go meet Stephen Brown. And we're going to meet daily news legend Laura Bolt. We're going to have a couple of laughs. Watch the Mets take on the Cubbies. Have a burger. It's going to be great. And certainly you can join. And anybody, if any of our listeners want to join. Where are you going to be? I totally forgot. It's a place where I can get a oh, you were gonna be at Franklin Park in Crown Heights in about an hour and a half. Frank oh, an hour and a half. That's a long way to go. No, I can't do it. It's in Crown Heights. It's like two neighborhoods away. An hour and a half. I can't. No, do it. It. It's literally like if you get yeah, on the bike, but you're gonna be there and you're gonna be there until seven o'clock. So I'll get you a city bike. You'll come with
1: us. I'm not doing it.
2: No, I'm on my bike, and and I gotta say, if you can hear the sound of my voice and you're a bus driver, do not run me over. We had our first city bike fatality this week in I three saw years. That. Brooklyn Heights resident, very bad. Doing story. a story
1: on that. Vince, great to do a show with you. I love you. I, I'm sorry you ended it on that down
2: note,
0: but I'm yes. Sorry, yeah. All well,
2: right. I'm not coming out of a dead cyclist with an up tempo song. There we go. That's we'll exactly see you next
0: right.
1: We will see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio.